0: Um, we've talked about pushing away fear and dealing with our shame. We've talked about owning our part of the hurt, of the hang-up, that, that we have to own our portion of that, of our habits. Uh, we've learned and been talking about letting things go, that when we carry those things with us, they not only hinder us, but they hinder the people around us. Uh, we talked about coming clean, of, of sharing with someone the struggles that we have, and then making some changes. And I, and I told you, let, let's just begin to focus on one thing. It become overwhelming as you begin to think about changing in your life, especially if it's a habit or an addiction. Uh, you, you get to this point where you're overwhelmed and you think, there's no way I can overcome that. And so I encourage you, just begin to focus on one thing, just focus on today, on God's strength. Begin to focus on the people that are surrounding you and then progress. Where is your heart turning? Is your heart turning, turning towards God or away from him? And so I encourage you to begin to focus on that. And it's hard work. I don't want you to hear me say that any of this is easy. Like, like none of this, um, as we begin to think about change, as we begin to think about paying attention to our hurts and our hang-ups and our habits, it's not easy. It's, it's hard. Uh, but just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not good. Just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not true. Just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not the right thing to do. And so as we talk about this today, you're going to try and push away, some of you, are going to try and push away what I think God has asked us to do, but I hope that you'll lean into it. I don't know if for when you were a kid, if you remember ever breaking something, uh, maybe it was something of your parents, maybe it was a window, I was always playing with baseballs or tennis balls, I broke so many windows uh, in my life, uh, friend's house windows, not just my own, uh, but then I also remember breaking little things, and, and you, if you broke something, you had an option when you broke it. Uh, You could pretend that you didn't break it. Um, That rarely goes well uh, to pretend that you didn't break whatever it is that you broke, but you don't want to own up to it. You hide it, right? You put it back and you try and put it in in pieces. This last week or two weeks ago, we have a canister that sits on our counter and somehow uh, the bottom got broken out of it. It was not me, if you're assuming that, Uh, but it was not me. Uh, We don't know who it was. Uh, but it was one of those, you set it back the way it was, and you pretend that no one broke it, right? You just, you just pretend that it's not broken, or you fix it, right? You, you attempt to fix it. And I don't know how many times I've had my kids break something uh, that is impossible to fix, uh, but they come to me asking me to fix it, and it's hard. And so when you think of things that are broken, you have options. And so you have some broken relationships. As you think about your hurts, as you think about your hang-ups, as you think about habits, there are some broken relationships that you have. Um, brokenness because of the decisions they have made or decisions that you've made. Some people have hurt you and you have hurt some people. And you've maybe heard the saying before, hurt people hurt people. However, no matter how much someone's hurt you or how much you have hurt someone else, I still believe that there's hope and a chance for healing in that relationship. We've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount. It's this teaching of Jesus. It's not necessarily a list to live by as much as it is a picture of the kingdom, of of what God says, who is in the kingdom. These are the kinds of people who experience the kingdom of heaven. So Matthew 5, if you don't own a Bible, there's one around you, but Matthew 5, uh, verse 7, we're going to look at two today. Uh, The first one says this, "'Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy.'" Or you could say, blessed are those who show forgiveness when they have the power to punish, for they also will be shown forgiveness. Matthew 5, 9 says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Or blessed are those who pursue peace with others, for they are doing the work of God. We're going to look at two things. Uh, How can we show mercy to people? How can we show forgiveness to people? And then how can we seek forgiveness from those we have hurt? How can we pursue peace? Uh, These are the two things that are really basing uh, the sixth choice. Uh, When we look at healing and repairing relationships, uh, we need to forgive. Uh, We need to seek peace or amends with people. But honestly, every time I talk about this, and we talk about forgiveness, we talk about this often, uh, I want to reiterate It's not easy. It's not. Uh, I I don't necessarily know uh, what you've experienced. I wouldn't pretend to know the pain that you've experienced. I just know my story. Uh, I I know my own past. I know my own relationships. I know the hurts that have happened to me as a young child, as a teenager, as a young adult. And I know what it's looked like as I've even just in the last couple of years begin to work through that. So I know. I may not know yours, but I I know my own, and I know what happens when you begin to live these principles out, when we're we're quick to be merciful, and when we pursue peace with those that we've hurt. And so the first choice we're going to look at today is that you'll just begin to repair relationships by showing mercy to those who have hurt us. Now, why do we do this? Uh, We do this, number one, if you want to take notes. Uh, Hopefully, this will help you. Uh, God forgives me. So why should I forgive people? Well, I should do it because God forgives me. If you were here earlier in the series, I try to push the, the fact that no matter where you've been or where you are, or what you've done, that forgiveness is available to you. You don't have to beg for it. You don't have to barter for it. Uh, you have it. It is at your fingertips to receive in your life. You get to decide whether or not you want to receive God's forgiveness. And when you do that, he no longer holds those things against us. God does not come back and say, I know you asked for forgiveness. I gave you forgiveness. But you know what? I'm going to bring that up again. I'm going to punish you again for those things. That's not how it works. When God forgives us, he forgives us completely, even though we were in the wrong, even though we could receive punishment. There, There could be consequences. So it's not that there won't be consequences to our decisions, but the punishment of God is not there because there is forgiveness. Uh, just last week, I was on 270, and I was in a wreck. Um, I was rear-ended on 270, um, two cars, three-car collision. And so we make our way over to the side of Dorset, and we're sitting there. And my, my car, I was in my Ford Freestyle, which isn't the nicest of cars. Uh, I've already been rear-ended in that car, and it wasn't fixed. And so I get out, and I look at my car, and I realize, you know what? There's some more damage the bumper's hanging off a little more than it already was, right? And so I kind of bang it on, but, but the girl's car behind me was damaged really bad from hitting me. And then the guy's car that, that kind of started the collision, his car was messed up as, as well. And so they exchanged information, and, and I didn't receive any information other than from the girl. And, and I received hers um, just in case something happened, and, and either she needed to get a hold of me or I needed to get a hold of her. And so a day goes by, and I start to look at my car a little more, and I think, you know what? Maybe I should have had this guy fix my car, right? I'm starting to feel like a little bit in my neck, and my back is starting to hurt, and I, right, because he owes me, right? I did nothing wrong. I was sitting still in 270. I played no part in this, and, and, and it is his duty to pay the price, Right? And as I looked in my car some more and I realized, you know, it's not that big of a deal. I feel a little better and I never pursued it. But I had every right to, right? Because he was in the wrong. But in that moment, that is a picture of mercy, a very simple one. And I'm not trying to lift myself up. I really just didn't want to mess with it, to be honest, right? But, but there was an opportunity for me to pursue something that was owed to me. And so as we think about the people who have hurt us, maybe they owe something to you. Maybe they do. But but God has forgiven us, and the invitation that that God gives us, and not really the invitation, uh, but the command, is that we would extend mercy to those because he has extended mercy to us. Paul writes this uh, letter to the church, um, and it's it's titled Colossians. It's in 3, Colossians 3.13, and he says this, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Whatever. There's no list. There's no only these, it's whatever grievances you have against someone, you would forgive those things. Well, why? Paul says right here that we forgive as the Lord forgave you. Like, this is where it gets hard, because it's not really an option. If you are a follower of Jesus specifically, forgiveness for other people is not an option. It's something that we have to do. And the reason that we have to do it is because God has forgiven us. And I would say the reason we get to do it is because God has forgiven us. So some of us are still holding on to grievances of the people who have hurt us. We're unable to let those things go. And so I want to encourage you just as we think about why, the reason we do that is because God forgives us first. The second reason I think we should forgive is because resentment can ruin us. Resentment can ruin us. Uh, doctors, psychologists, they write on resentment a lot. Uh, They write on the idea of holding grudges uh, against people, and they talk about how it actually leads to unhappiness and irritability. It leads to more anxiety and depression. Just the fact that we would hold the wrongs that someone has committed against us closely and that we would resent those people. And so we hold on to those hurts, and we think, I'm going to punish those people who have hurt us. That's often what I've thought, right? They've hurt me. The way I'll hurt them back is to hold my forgiveness from them, that I won't show them mercy. And we think that it punishes the other person. But if we're honest, the other person may not even know. that The other person may not even realize or understand the hurt that they've caused. And so you kind of are continually hurting yourself as we hold on to those things, as we resent the people who have hurt us. We're continually allowing them to hurt us over and over again. So it impacts you. It zaps your energy. It impacts how you treat other people. It impacts the way you're able to open up to someone. Uh, if you're married, it could put up some walls and some, some barriers between getting close to that person because you're holding a grudge and resenting someone else. Uh, the people that you work with or friendships, it, it will hurt you. So resentment doesn't help us, it just hurts us. Uh, the third thing, the third reason we should forgive is because you're going to need forgiveness again. Uh, you're going to need God to forgive you again. And so listen to this scripture, it's in Mark 11:25. 25, it says this, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you of your sins. Not that he would forgive you of your past sins, but he will continually forgive you. Because you're going to mess up. You're going to mess up to other people. You're going to mess up in your relationship with God. And so it's in those moments that we have to realize, I forgive people who have hurt me because I know I'm going to hurt people later as well. I know I need to forgive people who have hurt me because I'm going to need God to forgive me again. It's even in the way Jesus teaches his disciples to pray So as we've looked at this, we looked at focusing on one thing and and Jesus says, just today give give us our daily bread, just today give us what we need. Well, we also want to forgive our debtors, forgive our debts or our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And so it's almost as if God is saying, through Jesus teaching his disciples to pray, the same level you extend forgiveness to other people is how God will extend forgiveness to you. If you understand the greatness of, Of God's forgiveness, then you'll understand how great it is to let other people go, to extend forgiveness to other people. And so, theologian John uh, Wesley—he is connected to our denomination. Great theologian; Uh, it's our lineage stretches to him. He tells a story about a guy who came to him and said, "I will never forget that person. I'll never forgive them. I'll never forget what they've done to me ever." And John Wesley said, I hope you never sin because we all need what we don't want to give. We all need forgiveness, even though we may be hesitant to forgive the people around us. Now, here's what I would probably say. In this setting, most of you know that. I would even say most of you believe that. But the barrier often comes because we don't know how. We don't always know how to forgive or if we have forgiven people who have hurt us. And so here's, here's just a few tips as you begin to work through this. How do you forgive someone? Well, the first thing you do is you reveal the hurt. And I feel this is one of those areas that we don't pay enough attention to. Uh, this is one of the areas I think the church, maybe someone has stood up and, and made forgiveness something that was easier than it is, and just that you just, you just need to forgive. But I think for true forgiveness to happen, we have to reveal the hurt, we have to name the hurt. We have to acknowledge that what they did to us hurt. Uh, We don't repress it and pretend that it didn't hurt, right? I've been in situations with people where I've named something that I knew happened and and they make statements like, well, it really wasn't that big of a deal. No, it was. And so, don't, don't repress it. Don't pretend. Don't ignore it You can't really forgive someone if you are just ignoring the pain that was caused. You can't suppress it. You can't just make excuses for what they have done. To find healing, to move past the pain, we acknowledge the hurt that someone's caused us, that we have to admit that they've wronged us. And some of you have never done that. Uh, Just just to be vulnerable and honest— one of the relationships that's closest to me that I've had to work through forgiveness the most uh, in, in just some family relationships, I just always made excuses. I just excused their treatment of what happened. I just excused, well, this is what happened to them, and I'll just excuse it. But, but, but when I was excusing it, I, I really was never able to forgive what they did Be- because I wasn't acknowledging the, the pain that they had caused. That that I'd never acknowledged the sin that was committed. And so if I don't acknowledge it, there's really no reason to to give forgiveness. And so this, I think, for many of you, I think this is one of the the choices that you have to make. That whether it's with yourself, through a journal, through someone you're close to, it's making the, the statement of the pain that was caused. Not necessarily to the person who caused it, but just to acknowledge that there was some things that happened that shouldn't have happened. When I was a kid, my dad gave me a pocket knife, even though my mom didn't want my dad to give me a pocket knife. My mom knew me too well already. Uh, But my dad gave me a pocket knife. And I was in my garage, and I was whittling wood. I had found a branch, and I brought it in, and I was whittling a little wood in my garage. And I never really messed with a knife. And uh, so I'm whittling wood, and I cut my finger pretty good. And I would say I was probably my son's age. I'm probably about eight or nine when I'm messing with this knife in my garage. And I cut my, my hand um, significantly enough that I began to be afraid. And so if you, uh, maybe you had a dad who had these little pink rags. They were pink in my house. I don't know if anyone else has ever had those. It was like the, the, sharp, the shop rag right? And normally what was on that was oil or some other form of grease. And so as an eight or nine-year-old, I have blood, and the first thing I see is this pink rag. And so to hide it, to try and figure out what to do, I I wrap the oil rag around my finger. And I don't remember how long I just stood in my garage, right? Because as an eight-year-old, I thought, okay, this didn't happen, right? It'll go away. I'm I'm not going to have to tell what happened, but, but I needed help right? I had to acknowledge that there was some blood and that there was a cut and that there was some pain. And for healing to take place, I probably needed to tell my mom. I probably needed to go to the hospital. And so I remember telling my mom and going to the hospital, and that's the only way that there could have been healing for me, right? And so for you, I just know, I just know that there's been things that have happened and you've made excuses. You've really let people go free in the sense of not acknowledging what had happened. So can you just begin to acknowledge that it hurt? This is the best way to begin to pursue true forgiveness, is to acknowledge the hurt first. And then once you do that, you then have an opportunity to release people. Let people go. See, when we don't forgive, really what we're doing is we're punishing. In our mind, we're we're punishing people. And and here's what I want to encourage you. You can let people go even if they never ask for it. That you can give forgiveness to people even if they never acknowledge the wrong that they've done. It's hard, but you can acknowledge to someone close to you that there was pain, and then you can, in your heart, begin to forgive someone. And so when you begin to release, it means you no longer punish, that you want good for them, that you're able to move on and no longer allow them to punish you over and over. That you can think of them without having the same amount of pain as you've had before and here's what i know to be true and you've experienced this is you've forgiven and then you're reminded right you you forgive and then you're reminded you've released it and you remember li- listen to this scripture it's in matthew 18. Uh, jesus is with a group of his uh, disciples and uh, peter comes to jesus and asks. Uh, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? And Peter says, up to seven times. Uh, I'm guessing for Peter, someone had heard him and this was the seventh time. And he's thinking, okay, I've forgiven all of these times. Maybe now Jesus can say, okay, you you no longer have to forgive. Uh, But Jesus answers, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times, seven, 77 times, seven is often the, 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 the way that, that Jesus responds in this question is what he's saying is that you will continually have to forgive. That, that not when things come up when someone hurts you that you'll forgive. That'll happen too. But I think also that we may have to forgive continually for the one thing that someone has done to us. And so you release someone of the pain and then you're reminded and then you repeat and you release again. You are continually forgiving people especially the really hard pains right there's sometimes people have hurt us and we didn't like what happened we didn't like what they said and and maybe it's easier to quickly forgive them but but some of those that are more hurtful it's hard it's hard and one of the things maybe you struggle with that I've often thought about is do I have to tell them do do I have to do I have to pick up the phone and call and say hey I just want you know um this is how you hurt me uh, but I just want you know I've forgiven you and and I'm letting you go free. And, and I don't think that we do. Uh, listening to counselors and, and reading um, therapists and, and just looking through this, I actually think sometimes it causes more pain. Uh, I think maybe it even causes pain for the other person. And this is where the kingdom of God, this is a side note, as you think about forgiveness and you think about the call God puts on our lives, it doesn't always make sense, right? It is very countercultural. Right? We, we live in a way that says when someone hurts you, then hurt them back. Someone does wrong to you, well, then you do wrong back to them. But, but this is one of those teachings. When you hear it, you're like, man, this isn't easy. It is a radical way to do life, but it is a good way to do life. And so we, we, we forgive, and, and we, we don't want to punish people or bring pain to people who may not even realize the pain that they have caused you. Right? And so, so maybe it's not that you have to go to that person, and forgiveness comes just by releasing people, right? And we're going to talk about restoration and reconciliation in a moment. Uh, but really what we're looking at is beginning to just forgive, to release someone. And so here's a few tools. Maybe you could um, get with someone. You can even do these on your own. Uh, but it's the empty chair practice. Uh, set a chair next to you and pretend the person is there with you. you. You tell them the hurt that they caused. You tell them how you're forgiving them because God has forgiven you and you let them go free. So an empty chair, you speak to that or write a letter and never mail it. These are two practices that I've had my own counselor talk to me about, uh, but also that I've read are helpful. Um, and so what, what do you need to do to be able to begin to release people from the wrong they have caused you? And then you begin to allow Christ to rule in your heart. So the third thing that we do is how we forgive is we let Christ rule our hearts. Um, Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of Christ." rule in your hearts. And so when we're not willing to forgive often, it causes stress. So stress begins to rule our heart. Regret and pain rules our heart. Bitterness towards people. Anger towards people. Gossip about people. When someone hurts you, um, the the way you may want to get them back is to then gossip about them, right? And so the, the, the way that we begin to forgive people is we just ask Christ to rule in our hearts. And when he does that, he begins to give us peace. And so before we move, how do we make amends, quickly? uh, I want to say this, that this is not permission to continue to let people hurt you. Right? So this doesn't give permission to people to do whatever they want to do to you. Um, You you have boundaries. Uh, You have clear expectations. Relationships maybe look different. And so forgiveness doesn't mean you're, you're just a punching bag for whoever wants to hurt you. So just know that. It's not giving permission, but, but you in this moment get to choose what your future looks like and how you feel about their, that person, but also how you feel about yourself and, and the peace that could rule in your hearts. So I want to encourage you. You begin to reveal the hurt, you release them, and then you allow Christ to rule in your hearts. And so... Some of the things in your life, the hurts and the hang-ups and the habits you formed are because of the hurts that other people have caused you to experience, what they've done to you. However, we know we've hurt other people. We know we've not always done right. And so if we're going to find healing and hope, I think we have the opportunity to make amends with people, to, to seek out forgiveness for the wrong that we have committed. To make amends means that we have to acknowledge and seek forgiveness for the hurt that we've caused others. And so I think that relationships can experience reconciliation. And what I mean by that is that it, it reestablishes a relationship after things go wrong, right? So forgiveness can happen, and you both go your own way, right? The relationship maybe isn't there anymore. Both people say their peace, or one person, you, uh, you, you, you forgive someone, and, and, and that's what happens. There's forgiveness that takes place. But I think through forgiveness that there is a chance for reconciliation, that there is a reestablished relationship after things have been broken. God has reconciled us back to him and has invited us, has asked us to be reconciled with one another. And so there is the opportunity for that. And then through reconciliation, there's a chance for restoration, that you could return back to what it was. So not only reestablish relationship, but it can return. And so I've seen this in marriages and maybe you're in a place in your marriage where you're just existing with one another, that there's been a lot of hurt and there's been a lot of pain, a failure to acknowledge that, a failure to really forgive and to release and let go. And and maybe once that happens, maybe there's a chance um, that that you could do that, that you could start with forgiveness, that that through help, maybe there's a chance of reconciliation, reconciliation, not that you've even been separate, but, but maybe reconciliation, even if you're still together. And then restoration. Like, we, we want to believe in miracles, yeah. right? We want to believe in miracles in healing, but I also think there's a chance that miracles can take place relationally. Maybe with a parent or with your child, a spouse, a good friend. Maybe there's a chance for some reconciliation and restoration, but it all starts with forgiveness. And even if forgiveness is as far as you get, uh, that is what God has asked us to do. <clears throat> Listen to Matthew 5, 23 through 24. This is how important it is uh, that we make amends with people, um, that we work towards peace. He says this in Matthew 23, 24. It says, if, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar First, go and be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Uh, This is an extreme statement, I think. Uh, If we were going to practically live this out, if you were to come on a Sunday morning, Greg begins to sing, right, and we begin to enter into worship, and something comes to your mind that someone has a reason to be upset with you because you have done something to hurt them, Jesus says, leave. Literally, that's what Jesus is saying. It's not even worth it to stand and to worship, to give an offering, if you're not willing to go and make amends with someone. The, the importance is that you, you are desiring to make amends with people uh, far before you ever even come into this space, that your heart is always aware of maybe when you've hurt someone and that you would be quick to make amends. Uh, Paul, this is one of my favorite scriptures, uh, Romans twelve eight. It says this, if it's possible, and I've shared this with you before if you've been around here. Uh, Paul says, if it's possible, meaning sometimes it may not be. But if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it's possible, as much as it depends on you and your actions and your words, live at peace with everyone. I just read about uh, Lawrence, Kansas. Two police officers were called to a road rage situation in a parking lot. The cops arrive at the parking lot, and there are two cars uh, almost touching head to head. To, to, yes, head to head, bumper to bumper. And the cops arrive, and they begin to hear the story, and neither the guy who is entering into the parking lot or the woman who is trying to leave the parking lot is willing to move that they are unwilling to budge out of the way. There's no one else around. There's no other cars. There's nothing blocking them. They are just sitting. And when the cops finally get there, it had been 20 minutes where these two cars just sit facing each other. And you can get on and you can read this, uh, Lawrence, Kansas, Twitter, they, they document the whole thing and they ask the woman to move and she says, my car is too big. If I was to move, I'm going to hit something. And she is in a minivan. Uh, she's unwilling to back up. And the guy says, look, I have nowhere to go. I'll spend the night here. <laughs> Literally. So these two cars, unwilling to, and it's not that they both have to. They don't have to both move. It just takes one. It just takes one, and so the cops leave them there. <laughs> the cops leave them, and uh, they make the statement, as far as they know, they're still sitting there waiting for the other person to move. But it takes one. Right? They don't have to both move. You, you, you make the move. You make the move. What, what pain have you caused someone? Uh, in what way have the hurts that have happened to you, have they worked themselves out to hurt someone else? What, what habits do you have that has caused pain for the people around you? P- part of the healing of that is to just admit it and to ask for forgiveness. And, and, and here's what's important as we do that as you think about how to do it. Who is it that you need to tell? Uh, who is it that you need to go to and say, I'm sorry? Is it a spouse? Is it your kids, parents? Who, who is it? A coworker? Uh, who is it that you need to go apologize to? And don't get stuck in the how you'll move forward. Right? The fear of how to move forward will keep you from understanding who it is that you need to apologize to. You may feel overwhelmed. You're not sure how they're going to respond. Um, but but who is it that you've hurt? Who is it that you need to go to and apologize? And then the second thing, give a good apology. Honestly, give a good apology. Uh, this scripture, I think, applies to a lot, but Jesus says uh, to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Uh, what kind of apology would you want from someone? Um, here, here's what I think you do. You name the hurt. This is really important. So if you don't normally take notes, maybe this is one of those uh, that you, you put in your phone or something. Uh, this, this makes a huge difference as you begin to seek healing with people. You name the hurt. So not just a flippant, I'm sorry, but, but what are you sorry for? What is it that you did that you hurt them? Uh, it could be a lot of things. But, but you name the hurt. Uh, you expressed how you know it damaged them. I, I know when I did this, it hurt you this way. So I acknowledge it, I name it, I express how much it damaged them. I admit the mistake, it was my fault. I was wrong. No buts, no excuses. Name the hurt, you express how much it damaged them. You admit your mistake. And then you take action to change. You make things right. You pay back if you owe something. Um, You give time to where you need to give time. You recognize your mistake. You 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 ask the person, what can I do differently? Uh, Far too often, especially as I counsel with people, um, the action part is what's lacking. When someone says they're wrong and they ask for forgiveness, what needs to come along with that is that you begin to change and look different. And then the last piece is really important. And if you were with my kids, uh, my kids have to do this when they hurt each other. I make them work through this uh, process. Uh, but you ask the other person if they'll forgive you. And some of you have heard me talk about this before. But, but you don't just say you're sorry. You say what you're sorry for. You, you acknowledge the damage that it's caused. But in the end, you make the statement, would, would you forgive me? And then they get to have the power to set you free, right? And the hope is that they will. The hope is that they will. But it's this acknowledgement that you are wrong and you have put it in their hands and you ask if they would forgive you. And then you move forward. You move forward. The third thing is you think about forgiveness. You begin with the who. It's a good apology. And then you focus on moving forward. It's a new day. So you don't hang on to it. We've talked about this. you let those things go. You've acknowledged it, you've asked for forgiveness, and you let it go. And on the other end, if you've received that, you let it go as well. You you let those things go, and you move forward. You make amends, and then you realize what the future might look like. I won't go into it deeply, but Zacchaeus, uh, he's invited out of the tree to spend time with Jesus, and I often spend the most time on that scripture when I've taught it. Uh, looking at who Zacchaeus was uh, and how Jesus still saw him and welcomed him in and wanted to spend time with him, right? That's the place we often go. Uh, but what you may not know is uh, Zacchaeus was a, not a good man, and he was taking from people. And his response after experiencing this was to make restitution for those things. He understood that he was loved and forgiven by Jesus in that moment. And Jesus doesn't even have to tell Zacchaeus what to do. Zacchaeus says, here's what I did wrong, and here's how I'm gonna make up for it. So we look forward and we begin to make some progress in those relationships. Uh, Making amends without action is often hard to believe uh, that that we're really sorry for what we've done. And so as you think about amends, also let that lead to action. And so as you do this, a couple tips: ask God to help you. Uh, Ask God to help you through this process. Uh, of, of seeking amends, um, that you would get wisdom in how to speak to someone and, you would, and God would open the heart of the person that you're approaching. And then accountability, invite someone into it. Um, let, let someone around you know that you're going to be doing it. They can pray for you, they can ask how it went, they can walk with you through it. And so prayer and accountability. And then side note again, uh, you, you may have hurt someone that's no longer around Uh, Maybe it's a parent who's passed and and you wish you would have done things differently. You wish you would have said things differently. Uh, Maybe it's an ex-spouse that's not around and you wouldn't be able to get in contact with them. Again, it's acknowledging the hurt. It's stating that you were wrong and asking for forgiveness. That can also happen through a letter, through a chair, or with someone that you're close to. But that can still happen. You can still understand what amends look like when you state the wrong that you have done. And so, would you, and here's what I, I know to believe, um, as we find ourselves in church, it doesn't mean that we're good at this, right? Just because you are here every Sunday uh, doesn't mean you are good at extending mercy to people or extending amends to people to try and um, a- express and admit when you've done wrong. This is hard. And so, can I just encourage you to, to don't wait? If you, and you know Some of you probably know right now, I I need to contact them this week. I I need to today admit that I was wrong and ask for forgiveness. I need to today let someone go free for the pain that they've caused me, maybe even again. Greg's gonna come forward and we'll sing our our closing song. Would you stand? Uh, I wanna give you just a couple of seconds of silence, so stand with me. Um, I, I don't wanna rush through this, and so. Uh, just a few seconds uh, to to examine and ask God to show you, is there someone? um, Is there someone that you've not forgiven completely, that you're continually punishing even though they may not know it? Um, And is there someone that you need to seek forgiveness from, that you need to make amends with? So spend a few moments thinking through that and then I'll pray and we'll sing. God would you search our hearts? Would you examine us? Would you point out those areas where we need to acknowledge the the pain that we've been holding on to that someone else has caused? Would you help us to extend mercy to them? And then would you help us to acknowledge the pain that we've caused someone else God? Would you help us to seek forgiveness and pursue peace and do our part if it's possible? If it's possible God would you help us to do that? God, I know a lot of what you ask us to do is on our own, that healing comes when we make good decisions for ourselves. Uh, But Lord, I know there's also some times where it includes other people. God, would you help us to repair some relationships? Would we believe, would we hold tightly to the hope that things could be reconciled and restored? I pray for some marriages that need restored. I pray for relationships with parents and kids that need to be restored for siblings that need to be restored. God, would you work some miracles in our lives? And I think, Lord, that it starts with forgiveness, extending it, extending mercy and asking for it. So God, would you help us to do that? We pray this in Jesus' name.